Michelle Day, and I'll be uh, moderating um, the session. Um, I just want to announce that the talk and Q&A will be recorded and available on the SACPA website, and we have Shaw TV here. Um, we're doing the recording today. Uh, for lunch on your tables, there is the basket. It's $14 for your lunch, so please put it in the basket. And please designate one treasure of each table to make sure that the numbers all add up, please. Um, so the uh, normal process of our sessions are there will be a 25 to 30 minute presentation and then there'll be a break time for lunch. Um, and then following that, there'll be a question and answer period. So with that being said, um, I would like everyone to turn off their cell phones or put it on silent, please. And for those who are new to um, attending the sessions, uh, the ladies and the gentlemen's room is just outside the outside the door. So with that, I would like to introduce our speaker and the topic of today. And uh, police carting a random street checks legal and warranted. Um, so carting is the police practice of arbitrarily stopping people in public for identification and questioning. Today, our guest speaker, Miranda. Haladi is here to uh, uh, present um, uh, on this topic. Uh, Miranda was likely Canada's youngest lawyer at the time of her Yukon Territory bar call in May uh, 2012. She completed a rotation for the Public Prosecution Service of Canada during her articles and has worked for her entire career almost exclusively in the area of uh, criminal defense. Miranda is active in her community as a volunteer. She was the 2013 recipient of the Volunteer Excellence Award from the Volunteer Lethbridge and 2014 YWCA Young Woman of Promise. As a law school student, she was a recipient of the Maritime Law Book Award in Ethics and Professional Responsibility. She volunteers regularly for Lethbridge Legal Guidance and is also a volunteer for Law Day, the Lethbridge Bar Association, Pro Bono Law Alberta, and the Public Legal Education of the Alberta Program. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting her just uh, this year. Um, she's also a really wonderful, colorful, and spunky mom. So with that, I'd like to call Miranda up. Thank you. So hello everyone and thank you for having me. My husband pointed out to me this morning that you guys invited him about two years ago. So <laughs> that was, uh, and he did have a good time. <laughs> and he remembers you guys all fondly. So we're talking today about carding. So carding is known by a number of different names. And these are some of the names we hear about carding across Canada. So we hear carding referred to as street checks, collection of information in certain circumstances, checkup slip, street intelligence reports, neighborhood intervention, and field investigative reports. And these words all basically refer to the same process. So what we're talking about today um, is the arbitrary stopping of pedestrians in public places, requesting identity information on those people or identity documents, things like um, passports or driver's licenses, and storing that information in police databases when no particular offense is being investigated. So what this is about really are people in public places being stopped, asked to identify themselves, and then the police store that information. So the police are storing who they are, where they were found, and who they were with. And this is, um, this is the front side basically of the street intelligence report that 
um, the Lethbridge Regional Police were using, and they still continue to use this as far as I know. So what this is basically is a two-page kind of form, and they fill out the name and the address and some of this other information. I don't particularly think they fill out all of this, and on the second page was actually even like a footprint thing for them to fill out, and they definitely don't do any of that, but this is kind of an idea of the information they're trying to solicit in these reports, and what they're... Um, parameters are. So we started this project in the summer of last year. So a mom I know asked me about her children being randomly stopped and asked to provide information in public. And she wasn't really sure what to say. So at that time I said that she could do the FOIP request. And then when this sort of behavior didn't stop, I personally initiated the FOIP request. Um, I do criminal defense law in Lethbridge. And carding wasn't something that was on my radar because carding doesn't actually lead to anyone ever being charged. So criminal defense lawyers, we don't actually deal with or encounter carding very often. It's just not relevant to anything that we do in the sense that it doesn't lead to charges. Um, in April, we received our initial Lethbridge FOIP data. I did ask some clarifying questions, and there was never any response to any of those questions, but we did receive a package, I think, of about 13 pages of data. And by June, we had the data analyzed, and it was provided to, um, to the public. And what we found were that Indigenous people were five times as likely to be carded than Caucasian people, and black people, depending on the year, were about eight to nine times as likely to be carded. So what we found in Lethbridge is that the number of people being carded is decreasing, but carding of racialized minorities actually is increasing. So this is following kind of a nationwide trend where the police are carding fewer people in general, but they're carding more of the people kind of in their core base of people they card. So while they're car carding fewer Caucasians, they're carding a greater number of people in these marginalized communities. They're sort of falling back on their base. And later that month, Edmonton released their data. And I think the most startling thing that we saw from the Edmonton data were that Indigenous women were nine times as likely to be carded as Caucasians. They were actually the most likely people to be carded. Um, in June, both the Lethbridge Police and the Edmonton Police and a number of other police forces also responded. And at no point in time was any analysis or additional data ever provided that made any of this information look any better. We did file a complaint regarding street checks and carding here in Lethbridge. Um, in July, we were pleasantly surprised that David Kahn, who's the leader of the Alberta Liberal Party, he called for a complete overhaul of the Alberta Human Rights Act, and he did publicly condemn the practice of carding and racial profiling. And in August, finally, the province announced consultations across the province to discuss carding with community groups. And on August 25th, the Alberta Association of Police Chiefs um, stated that he'd seen no evidence of racial bias in street checks or carding. And that was a bit of a surprise to us. And what he said most importantly um, was that uh, about 85% of people in Medisat and Hat being carded are white. And that's an interesting statement for a variety of different reasons. So what you're looking at here is the initial data on Calgary. So Calgary has been a really difficult center, and I think sometimes people don't understand how hard it is to actually get carding data in many of our centers. So after a number of requests and requests for waivers, Calgary finally got some information on street checks, and what they got basically are district breakdowns of who is being carded. And when this data is analyzed, what they found are basically in, in lower socioeconomic neighborhoods, more carding occurs. They never actually did receive anything more complicated than that or any more breakdowns than that, but that's the information they were able to get basically for free. I think they were told that the racial breakdown data would be another $13,000, and small nonprofits and small organizations simply don't have the budget to pursue that. When we looked at Edmonton, and I believe this information was verified by two different professors, 
um, what was found basically were that 9.7 times as likely chance for Aboriginal women who were being carded. So there were significant issues in terms of who was being carded. And a number of members from both the First Nations communities, as well as the Somali community, as well as Black Lives Matter Edmonton did speak publicly about the issues in those specific groups relating to carding. And here is Lethbridge. So what we found in Lethbridge is that Lethbridge is predominantly white, but as you can see, only about 40% of people being carded are white people. And when you look at those other two bars, that shows you, the, the, the blue is showing you how many people in Lethbridge are, in terms of their share of the population, black or indigenous. And as you can see, they're significantly overrepresented in the carding data. So what this is telling us are that black and First Nations people are being carded basically more than their fair share. Um, and this is some of the information I thought was most interesting about Lethbridge because we're not seeing this in any other jurisdiction. So in 2016, while over 1,000 cards were filled out, only 31 charges were laid. And I think it's important sometimes for people to understand what that means. So that means there were about 500 carding interactions because during most carding interactions, two cards are being filled out, one by each officer involved, and only 31 charges were laid. So we don't actually know anything more than that. We don't know if these charges led to convictions. We don't know if these charges are things like breaches for being out past curfew. This could all have occurred with one person in one incident. He could have been charged with 31 counts but we don't know anything more than that. And 31 charges statistically is not significant. There's about 200 charges, I would say, a day in Lethbridge court, just in court and at the docket stage. So 31 charges is really nothing in terms of what the police are actually dealing with. So in 2016, 43% of cards are not actually signed or attributed to any officers. So what this means is that if you were a person who was being carded and you wanted to know why you were being carded and you asked the police, they would say, well, we don't know who carded you. So we can't ask them. It's a mystery. And what we're also seeing from the cards is that 21% don't have a beat attributed to them. So the same thing is going on where if you ask the police, well, what happened? They might tell you, well, we don't actually know who carded you or where you were carded. We just know you were carded. And it raises some serious questions as to what use any of this information is. And what I would suggest is showing us that ordinary police officers in Lethbridge don't actually care about carding. Because if something is worth doing, someone wants to take credit for it. And if 43% of cards aren't actually being signed by anyone, do any of these people actually care about carding? Because it's not obviously something that they want to take credit for. Um, so on August 25th, um, the, the chief of the Association of Police Officers actually gave a statement. So this individual represents basically the police chiefs in Tabor, in Calgary, in Lethbridge, a number of cities that have signed on. And what he said was, we don't racially profile anyone Medicine Hat hasn't had an issue. We checked and I think 85% of our street checks have been Caucasians. So maybe the Caucasian population should complain. So it's an interesting statement on a variety of levels. And the first thing that became apparent to both myself and some other young activists is that Medicine Hat is significantly more than 90% white. So 85% of people being carded, it might sound good, but it's not actually necessarily a good thing. And I know that the, the kids up at Edmonton had a, had a big laugh at this, and this is what they posted. <laughs> and I think that's what happens when you go up against, you know, bright, savvy, young 22-year-olds. So congrats, you played yourself. And because to them, he's basically agreeing with them. He's saying, you know, we're not carding a proportionate number of white people in Medicine Hat. And we were like, yes, we've been saying this. <laughs> so 
Well, I did file a FOIA request to see what was going on in Medicine Hat. And what we specifically asked for, we asked for their own analysis, because they seemed to be suggesting that 85% carding of Caucasians was a good thing. And what I outright asked them was, show us how this is a good thing. Like, show us your analysis. Show us something that would make us look at this and think that this is good. And so this is what we ended up with. So this is basically Medicine Hat Street Checks in 2011 and the census. So the reason we're looking at 2011 is that's our last census. Next week, the census comes out for 2016. So we'll be able to compare more recent data with that. But in all fairness to the Medicine Hat Police, this is 2011 street checks and 2011 census. So what we're seeing here are 235 black people and 43 carding incidents involving black people. And that's not very good. It's really hard to see a way in which that it's good. So I wouldn't outright say that black people are being carded 10 times as much as they should be. What I would say looking at this is that there's a significant amount of carding occurring involving this particular sector of the population. And even if this is three people being carded a lot of times each, or if there's 43 different people being carded, whatever this is, it's not good. It's not building good relationships with a very small segment of their population. And we're also seeing here that Aboriginal people are being overrepresented, because we're looking at a 3.9% share of the population versus 6% in carding. Um, we're also not seeing this 85% of people being carded being white that the Mason Hat Chief of Police was talking about. It's 83, and it's significantly lower than 92.5, which is what the actual uh, percentage of Caucasians in Medicine Hat was. One of the difficulties we have when we look at data is that our census is using different categories than our police use. So the Medicine Hat Police, for whatever reason, use Asian and Oriental. So I've added them into one category. I didn't know what else to do with that. I don't know what they're defining as Oriental or what they're defining as Asian. I did ask my husband, which one am I? You live near Medicine Hat. And he didn't know either. So I don't know. And they have categories for Caucasians and Eastern Europeans. So I put those two together. Because sometimes we just don't even know what they're talking about. And it would help, and we keep asking for this, if they would give us definitions as to what they think these groups are. Um, so looking at 2016, we don't have the 2016 census yet. I think we're getting that on Tuesday. Um, it's not looking that great either. So in 2016, 82.85% of people being carded were noted as Caucasian or Eastern European. What I think is really interesting is that no one refused to participate in this process in Medicine Hat. So there are 653 carding incidents, and not one person said, no, I'm not taking part in this. They've, I don't think they've ever had a refusal that we've seen. So people are participating in this, and that doesn't really fill me with hope. And comparing the data we have from 2011, we're seeing discrepancies again in terms of our black and Aboriginal populations being carded. In all fairness to the police, it would be a little presumptive to make a statement about that at this time, but I mean, we'll see the carding data compared to the census data next week. And I don't think it's gonna look particularly positive for the Medicine Hat Police, regardless of what they think it's gonna look like. So here are some of the problems that we have with carding that we talk about. So in every city that carding has been studied, there's overrepresentation of racial minorities. And at the very least, this typically involves black and First Nations people, though there are other marginalized people that seem to be overrepresented in other cities. There is no evidence that carding has led to a decrease in crime or increase in convictions. And to some extent, there's never really been any proof that carding has actually led to an arrest. And one of the things we asked the Medicine Hat Police to provide is proof or some kind of a, a story that we could use as to how carding led to an arrest. And they haven't given that to us yet. 
we do believe that ev the evidence that's come out of researchers that carding is eroding confidence in policing in many of our neighborhoods. And we see proof of that through a number of studies. There was a study done in Toronto um, and it found that any value to carding was seriously diminished basically by this incredibly negative impact it has on our racialized communities. There's huge concern about detention. We received actually a report from Medicine Hat Police about detention. And what they say about detention is that it does depend on the circumstances, which it does, and it really depends on the officer actions at the time. So one of the recommendations that we've seen actually in Calgary is that the police should be telling people that they have the right to sort of reject the carding process and just walk away without any kind of difficulty. But I don't know how often that's being implemented, and there's no proof that the Calgary police have actually been doing that. There are huge concerns about storage of information. What we mean by that are we don't know how long carding data is being stored, and we don't know where it's going. We do believe it's being shared at the very least with other policing forces. It might be being shared with um, the RCMP. It might be being shared with foreign governments. We don't really know what is being done with this. And that leads us to this question of what, what use is this information being put to, and where is it going? So the Edmonton police have no formal policy on use or sharing of this information. So there's no guidelines in place, I would suggest anywhere actually in Alberta as to what can be done with carded data and where it can go. So one of the individuals I talk a lot about in terms of carding is Jagmeet Singh. And he has been carded 11 times. And this is a South Asian individual. He actually um, resonates with me a lot because he's also a criminal defense lawyer. We're, we're good people. And <laughs> And he's part of a number of the same associations that I am, and he's also from, and he's also to some extent strongly connected to Toronto. So what he says is that he was carded first at 17. He remembers um, the early stops involving routine investigations. He committed no offense, received no ticket, but the experience left him shaken and confused. And it left him asking what about him the police felt was dangerous and criminal, and it questioned his self-worth. And he remembers being carded as a law student in Toronto, and this is a line that really has resonated with me. In that moment it hit me, I had achieved academic and professional success, yet I was still made to feel like there was something wrong with me. And over and over again, when I talk to people about carding, or sometimes people come up to me from the streets talking about carding, they want me to know, and they want me sometimes to tell the police that they are good people, and that they don't understand why they aren't good people, and they don't understand why they're being looked at in this way, and they want people to just know that they're okay, and they're not you know, out to harm anyone. And Jagmeet Singh actually has been one of, the, I think, the leaders really on a national level of trying to stop carding. And it'll be interesting to see what comes of this. But um, one of the things he says that carding reinforces dangerous ideas in police training and culture that label people of color as a threat. And it's something that we see in um, deaths of black people, particularly, that have been investigated in Canada. So there's an example in Montreal, there are other examples in Toronto, there are examples of young people refusing to cooperate with the carding process and the situation basically getting progressively worse and worse until someone is hurt. And carding in many ways is very dangerous. So in terms of moving forward, there are a number of things I've been really thinking about and as time and time kind of moves on, there are more and more things that come to mind. One of the first things I think we need to see in Alberta, and we haven't seen this yet, is there needs to be funding for independent legal advice for individuals with human rights concerns. So this exists in other provinces. It exists in Ontario, for example. So a person who's been carded, you kind of have to think about what are they going to do? Is this person going to go to the media? Um, it's hard to say what would come of that. Are they going to try and sue the police? That is a horrible 
process where they would have no lawyer and the police would have incredibly competent and well-funded counsel. So having someone in place to advocate for them could be helpful or to even to ask some questions off and or to even investigate a little bit further. And I think a lot of the time people want to know what just happened to me and why did it happen. And I think sometimes that's all they want to know is they want to understand what is going on. One of the things that we've been talking about quite a bit are, are reforming the Alberta Human Rights Act to add categories like social condition, indigenous heritage, criminal conviction, addiction, and HIV positive status in order to protect some of our marginalized people to prevent discrimination against them. And I think that that could have a, a large impact on the way we view carding if some, if some of these things are actually done. On the same note, if we reform the Human Rights Commission in Alberta, the Human Rights Commission would have the authority to initiate its own investigation, which is what I think should have happened a long time ago regarding carding. The Human Rights Commission should have been investigating it, but doesn't have the power to do that. So Human Rights Commissions and other jurisdictions can do that. Whenever there's an issue of widespread concern, they can internally initiate their own sort of investigation. And nothing like that can happen in Alberta. That's why we're relying on the provincial government to start these consultation processes, which to some extent aren't very open. Um, there's ongoing work requesting FOIP data. We'll be requesting more data from Medicine Hat. I really would like to try and get some data out of Calgary. And I think that when those steps will be taking place in the next couple of days. We're excited though that we have data from four cities now. The data is somewhat different in terms of what it is and to what extent uh, we have. But I think we're at a point now where we can look at these four cities and produce something about what carding basically means for Alberta and what we should do going forward on a province-wide basis. And I think that we still need to organize a bit better all the, all the activists and all the people who are working on ending carding and really unite together to present something really cohesive. And I think we also need to be part of it, the, what's going on across Canada, and particularly in Ontario, to keep appraised basically of everything that's going on in terms of legislation in Ontario and developments governing police conduct and street checks in other jurisdictions. I would like to see immediate implementation of receipts for cards. And all this would mean is that when they fill out the card, there's that like tear away, really thin piece of paper underneath it, and they hand that to the carded person. That's all it would mean. It would mean that person would have something they can take to a lawyer, something they can take to a support worker, something in terms of children they could take to their parents, and someone could follow up on it. And I would like to see the police immediately starting to advise people that they don't have to participate in this process. Uh, they will not be harmed and that they can leave safely. And it's something that actually is recommended by the Calgary police. We don't know if they're actually doing it. In fact, we, we don't think they are. And it's something actually that came out of the Medicine Hat Review that they recommended that this protocol take place. Um, we need to see clear and transparent policies for storing carded data. And this is something that our police commission should actually be getting involved in because there's nothing in place and there should be some clear guidelines as to what is happening with data and where it's going. We need our officers to be trained to ensure that they are behaving in a way that people aren't being intentionally detained. So I think sometimes there is a disconnect in what the officers feel is happening or what people feel is happening. And a lot of that comes from, from being from different backgrounds and having different experiences with police officers. So our officers need to be trained in how they can talk to people and how they can engage in the public in a way that makes people feel that they aren't forced to be there. And when you look at the medicine hat data, the zero refusals, that's kind of the question I have there. Are people refusing or are people feeling that they have to cooperate with this process? This last one is an interesting one. So I want officers at a higher level to be regularly assessing demographics um, in terms of violation tickets, criminal offenses, and street checks. And this is actually kind of important because we want to see who is being charged, who is getting tickets, and if there's some issues going on in terms of that. 
I did actually do a FOIA request in Lethbridge to ask about tickets. And what we were told is that there's no data being stored. So we don't actually know if a disproportionate number of racialized minorities are being ticketed or being stopped. We don't have any of that information because the demographics are not are currently being stored. But moving forward, we need basically that information to see if there are problems. And routinely, independent assessments should be taking place, and senior officers should be um, initiating their own investigations. This has actually been an issue that I've been really thinking about, and we need to have more representation on both City Council and the Police Commission of racialized minorities. I personally did apply to the Police Commission, they didn't want me. <laughs> but um, our Police Commission lacks black and First Nations representation, and there are a number of people there, and you kind of wonder why they were picked among all the other people they possibly could have put. The Police Commission is actually one of the, uh, the commissions, these are all volunteer positions that are, um, you know, that people actually do want to be on. So it's a little contentious to get on there. And you kind of wonder a bit about why we have no First Nations representation on our police commission and whether or not it'd be effective for city council to actually designate space for a certain in individuals to be there so that their views are being heard. Because I haven't actually heard evidence of anything being done by police commission about carding or any inquiries ever at any stage being made. I think that the public needs to see meaningful consequences for officers found to engage in racist policing policies as well as meaningful consequences for officers found to have acted inappropriately towards racialized minorities. Because I don't think people believe there's any accountability for the things that the police are doing. We need to address toxic masculinity in our policing forces, and we do need to address the lack of representation of women and marginalized people themselves. And ultimately, the goal of all of this is to end police carding. It's our position that regardless of whether or not uh, racialized minorities are overrepresented, this is an inappropriate process, and it's useless. And um, I've spoken to a lot of agencies about this, and they want to see the data being actually provided to groups who are going to study it, rather than it just being destroyed. And basically, I respect the views that are coming from um, our First Nations community-based organizations and our black community-based organizations that say they want this data, and, and they feel that there's real value in studying it. Though, personally, I think it should probably just be destroyed. Um, in terms of what I've been doing about carding, it's been a really interesting almost, I think we're at a point where it's been a year now, and it's been a really interesting experience. I meet a lot of people. I speak to a lot of moms who are very, very concerned about their children. I don't necessarily know if the children are as concerned as the moms, but I speak to a lot of moms who are concerned about escalation uh, and violence. And I speak to a lot of people who don't believe that our police are acting in their best interest, or that the police will help them if they actually did call them. And I speak to a lot of people who, because of their experiences, say they would never call the police, and they would never have the police involved if someone they know, you know was at risk. And all of these things are things that make all of us unsafe. It's very important for us to all believe in policing in our communities, and important for us to believe that we have options. And I'd like to see a lot of change. Um, there's been a lot of really great people that have been really involved and really helped me. So Lisa's here. Lisa's been absolutely fantastic. Um, and there are a bunch of other people. Jen's here. Yes, you all should have voted for Jen. Shame on you if you didn't. <laughs> Jen has been very outspoken about carding, and a few other candidates did bring it up as well. And I've been really excited to see carding actually being part of um, the election forums in Lethbridge, Calgary, and Edmonton. It's, it's being talked about. And two years ago, carding really wasn't on the radar for anyone in Lethbridge. And I think that in itself is progress. People are talking about carding. Sometimes they're telling me that I'm a liar, but at least we are talking, and that is something. Um, so thank you all for your time today. I really appreciate being here.